Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. everybody and welcome to episode 564 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm your host Todd along with my co-host Joe and I hope they brought the wide angle microphone for him. How are we doing today, Joe? <laughs> was that something stupid I said the other day on Twitter? Yeah, maybe? I don't know. There was something, some video you posted and you were like, this happened, this happened and Paul Lee says, I hope they broke out the wide angled lens. No, anything involving me is wide-angled and has no choice. Um, But I noticed when you do the intro for the show, Mm -hmm. uh, you say, uh, you know, host and co-host. Right. um, Where I just say, you know, Joe and Todd. Oh, I'm Um, sorry. You want me to change it? No, no. I think that just goes to show, I think, our two different mentalities with the show. Um, Obviously, you look at it as a show. Not the show. They're they're doing their own thing. Um, but you do it as a show with hosts and segments and so forth. And while it is a show with hosts and segments, um, I think my, my my inner like my inner subconscious is like, don't say host because if I just say our names, then it's more of a conversation. Granted, it's a one way conversation just between you and I. But I assume as though when our listeners. Uh, listening to the show, they're typically yelling at their Sony Walkman MP3 player because that's what they all probably use, right? Uh-huh. right. <laughs> so, no, my thing was I usually say uh, I, I usually don't use co-host. I usually, when I do the opening, I say uh, uh, I'm Todd along with uh, Joe or joined with Joe. You know what I mean? I don't say co-host usually, but when I did the wide-angled microphone bit. I was figuring out how to word it because it didn't work with, don't worry about it. You get what I'm trying to say? So I do get what you're trying I, to say. I usually go back to, I'll probably go back to that. I was just trying to make a callback to one of your tweets. So Sure. I've Now that I've over and explained it, would you like to know what's on the show, Joe? I would like to know what's on the show. Right. In news, a creator who owes me absolutely no art returns to some characters he's known for. <laughs> A big name is continuing the Batman Fortnite story, and it's going to be even bigger this time, Joe. And also another partnership with Image and Panel Syndicate. Also a, and I believe the word is bloated, Rob Watch this week. Um, Con News, which is, I believe is San Diego uh, Comic-Con. Digital Sales. What we read last week, which was Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton number two. And Jim Gordon, I mean uh, Joker number number five. What we're looking forward to this week, Todd and Joe have issues, Todd's art attack, and at the end, spoiler-filled talk of the season finale of Loki and the latest episode of Legends of Tomorrow. You know, I feel as though it's been forever since a lot of those things happened. It, it does feel... You know what? There's one thing that makes it seem like time stands still, and that's the one that's bloated, but anyway. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so, Todd mentioned, and... Uh, Surprised this one really hasn't gotten like the real heavy rounds. Uh, but a, a book uh, that we talked about when it was first announced, and I actually have to remind young Ed that this book exists. Um, and I always forget that DC books come out on Tuesdays now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, uh, the Blue and Gold book, the reuniting of Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, uh, is uh, on track, uh, <laughs> written by Dan Jurgen. We saw that the art was supposed to be by Ryan Sook, I think, when it was initially announced. You, Todd, said there's no way he's making those deadlines. And uh, here we are at issue four of a six-issue miniseries, and they're already calling it a replacement. And obviously, thematically, who better to call in as a replacement than uh, the man, I guess, probably most associated with the two of them together in Kevin McGuire, also someone who's not late with comic books ever. No, never. Um, and I would like to say back when uh, I said Ryan Sook was going to be doing this, I told you this art was going to totally suck and he was not going to meet the deadlines. But yeah, and Kevin... Kevin not known for his speediness. And I'm actually shocked because he uh, he uh, was mentioning that, like, oh, I'm trying to get into my creator. So with that bubblegum road or whatever, that thing we were talking about a while yeah. back. So I'm like, oh, they must have called and the check cleared. So he's ready to go. But he was tweeting and I found it interesting because he was like, listen, he's like, I did. He's like, I'm drawing these two knuckleheads. And it made my heart sink when I saw that it was digital art of Booster and Beetle. So uh, after I got away from that, he mentions that he's like, when I think about it, he goes, I've drawn them on covers and I've drawn them in commissions when people get them. And I've done other stuff with them, like on covers for like trades and stuff like that. He goes, but the last time that I sat down and wrote, drew these two guys in a story was a decade ago. Think about that. The last thing that they did with Keith JM and Kevin with Justice League International was that retro uh, active one shot. Yeah, back. yeah. Because I was even going to say, I, my mind went further back with the formerly known as. Mm-hmm. And then remember, there was supposed to be the sequel, and they just moved it to like one of the random fill ins in JLA Classified. Yep, they moved it over to there. Um, so then they did that Justice League uh, retroactive, retroactive, yeah, where they did like the, 60, the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s, and I think they were considered the 90s? Because, and there was a loophole in that, because they were the 80s Justice League, even though like a lot of people considered Detroit the Justice League. But they were like, well, how can we get away with it? And they were like, oh, like that run of Justice League ended in the 90s, and Kevin did one issue towards the end of that run. And they're like, technically it was 1990, so we can get away with it. And I was like, oh, okay. But I'm kind of glad that he's doing it digitally because then that way I'll still have the last physical page of a Justice League International story. Because I have three three pages from that Justice League retroactive and I have the last page where they fly off into the sunset. And it, it doesn't say it on the page because it was uh, lettered later. But it says, that's all, folks. And to me... That's really the end of the JLI. And I'm at a point where I know this is going to be blasphemous because JLI is the unofficial, uh, uh, the official unofficial book of this show. Um, I'm, I don't want to see any more now by them. I think that ship has sailed and I just want to live in the memory. Um, If they did something, would I buy it? All three of them. But I'm kind of like, that ship has sailed, kind of like Serenity and Firefly. I'm like, we don't need any more. I'm on the outlier on that stuff, but uh, I don't know what you think on that. So, uh, first a correction, it's an eight-issue miniseries, not a six. I want to fix that. Right. Uh, tentatively. Will we'll all eight issues get published is another story. Mm-hmm. 
I would like to see the the crew reunited for like maybe um just An like anniversary. one yeah like a one shot or an eight pager like I don't think all three of them together have the wherewithal or I'll even be as you know to say the ideas but like a fun eight page throwaway um something well I'd, I'd love to see it just because I love that those folks you know I love Jam I love Keith uh Kevin is an artist who helps them and, right uh, well let me say this when I talked to Kevin you know the few times that I was trying to get something off him and then finally did. Um, he told me that for the 30th anniversary, they had a thing ready to go. It was, it was imagine formerly known as the justice league had happened. Those two miniseries, And then it was like, how, however many years it was since that story, that's where they are now. Like, or like, if not that many, a couple. And like, they were like, oh, they were what, I forget what like Booster and Beetle were doing, but like Guy Gardner was a conservative radio talk show host. And like, they had all this stuff and they have to get back together for a reason. I was like, I forget the nuts and bolts of it, but I was like, that's actually a really good idea. Um, Do it and do it digitally. So I still have the last page. I'm sure it would be done digitally regardless. Right, so. Uh, so also in the news, and again, that just made me think of something. Okay. Okay. Eh, never mind. Uh, so it was also with those, uh, DC October solicitations, they're going to be doing another Batman Fortnite, uh, one shot. And, uh, this one hit the YouTube circuit pretty quickly. Cause my kid told me about it on Monday <laughs> and I'm like, I knew about it on Friday with the solicitations. Wow. Yeah. You know? Big time in the kid. I like it. <laughs> uh, but this time, uh, written by, uh, of course, Christos Gage, but also by Scott Snyder, uh, Greg Capullo cover, et cetera, et cetera. Also has digital code for a, another skin or outfit or whatever in Fortnite. Uh, most importantly, uh, I always forget and I like to be reminded that the man who, and again, the man from Epic Games who's most closely affiliated with Fortnite, mm -hmm. his name is Donald Mustard. Oh, he did it in the cupboard with the candlestick. Yes. I was going to say, I wonder if his dad was a colonel, you know? Oh, he's uh, he's the all-American colonel, Joe. <laughs> right. And I, I, and I was tempted to uh, contact some people to give them the three months heads up to say, hey, there's another Batman Fortnite comic coming out. Oh, my cousin? Uh, I didn't say any names. Um, just in case your four-year-old mm -hmm. really gets hot about missing a Batman comic book. Right. Because, again, Scott Snyder still has a lot of cachet. Greg Capullo cover, I'm sure, means a lot. Um... This definitely feels as though um, DC, Warner Brothers, Epic Games, Fortnite knew that the first miniseries would be successful, but they didn't put any, you know, not a knock on Christos Gage, but he's kind of like a journeyman writer, kind of comes in. There's no, like, real specific thing that he's associated with. Like, I, you know, I really enjoyed his run on uh avengers academy 
But, you know, he's always like uh, the guy who comes in and takes over for when somebody else leaves, like, the big project, you know? Right. Um, and he's still involved in this, which is good. I'm glad he's going to get a payday out of this. But the fact that they're bringing in, like, your Greg Capullos and your Scott Snyders on this, it's like, let's see if we can milk just a little bit more money from that Fortnite stone, you know? And I actually think that's a mistake. Okay. Because they have a bigger payday, and I don't think they're going to draw anything to that book. That book is not going to come out for Batman fans. Like, Batman fans are going to buy that regardless, but that this was the Fortnite phenomenon, and all you're doing is just giving more money, because obviously I'm going to guarantee you Scott Snyder makes more a page than uh, Christos Gage, so... Uh, just keep Christos Gage on it, and as long as you keep those skins coming, different skins, you're going to sell as many as you want. Right. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. you know, your risk-reward kind of a deal? But I think so. this is maybe, let's make it a little bit more, like, we got, uh, you know, we got 100% of the Fortnite market share of buying this book, but we only got 80% of the Batman market share buying this book. <laughs> What could we do to bump that up to 85? Okay, th- that's a reasonable percentage bump. You know what yeah. I mean? If you were looking to get 100% of the Batman fans, I'm like, no, you're not doing that. with Because I just feel like, you know, I looked at the Fortnite book. It's a story that people aren't buying to read, if that makes any sense. They're not like, oh, this is the greatest Batman story I've ever read lately. So, Right. Uh, but again, I'm sure this will not be the last when this one sells out at a retailer level and second and third prints come out and so on and so forth. Right. Uh, so also it was announced officially this week that uh, Ed Brubaker and Marcus Martin's uh, independent digital only service panel syndicate uh, is going to start going print with uh, their book Friday that they had been doing um, through Image. Uh, I don't know when that is coming out. They have done other stuff through there. Uh, Also done stuff with other partners through Panel Syndicate. And it was kind of like a pay-as-you-want. Like, you literally could have went to the Panel Syndicate site and got all of those books for free. Right. And, you know, they, they pick it as though you can get whatever region coded, um, you know, a, a CBZ, a PDF, whatever it is that you're into. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they had it in multiple different languages and everything else like that. So they did quite a bit on the digital end. Uh, but now the fact that it's going to print uh, means that I will be getting those in print when they come out because I really enjoyed those books. But they just kind of came out when they came out. There was no advance notice. I'm on the mailing list, so I'd get an email that would say, like, new issue of Friday comes out tomorrow, you know? Right. And and for me, honest to God, did not know half of this stuff even existed. So it, it, he's going to get my money now mm. it, in a way like he never would have got. Not that if I was going to do it, I would pay. That's not what I mean. I wouldn't go, like, take them for free. But at least I, I'm not a digital guy in a lot of ways. So yeah. will I read Brubaker? You know, here's my four three ninety nine, four ninety nine. You're gonna give me an actual issue. Here's your money, Ed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it looks like they're doing it as um, a trade, and it looks like it's coming out in November. Right. Well, yeah, and that way I'll do it too. Like, because obviously I'm buying his reckless stuff and hard whatever. It's like it's something I haven't read from Ed Brubaker. However, you're gonna. 
sell it to me in a physical copy I am going to buy. Right. And they have uh, folks like uh, Alex DeCampi doing stuff for them. David Lopez. Uh, Donnie Cates did like a one shot thing called The One You Feed. Jay Farber did something called uh, Glacier City. And then Brian K. Vaughn actually did something with Marcos Martin, like a Walking Dead, like a little standalone thing uh, a couple years back. That uh, was but, the, the one in Paris, right? The story? Yes. Oh, that was such a good story. Yep, yep. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like Friday is going to be the first one. The trade of that's coming out in November. Uh, the first one that they did together was the, called The Private Eye, if you remember that one from however many years back that was, you right. know? Vaguely, actually. Vaguely. Uh, I think that was like, oh boy, like six, seven years ago, maybe. So right. it, I think my whole thing about it is, is how, why did it take this long for them to make that decision to go over to print as well as digital? Maybe they don't want to be like everybody who does, like when DC's doing their digital, like dig, uh, their Injustice Gods Among Us book. It's like, oh, we know it's going to come out soon. Maybe they're trying to get, you know, that digital platform. It's like, oh, if it's going to take seven years, they'll buy it early if they really want it. Sure. You know, but who knows? Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. Now, Todd, it's time for that moment of the show. Mm-hmm. The moment that is unfortunately becoming more prevalent as the weeks and months go on. The Rob Watch. So... Last week, we discussed that the Rob had been advertised uh, for uh, a special meet-and-greet appearance, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. There's that word again. At the New Yorker Hotel, overlooking uh, the beautiful New York City skyline, only $350 a clip, and uh, it was canceled that afternoon as we were recording the show. Todd floated the theory that, well, the Rob probably canceled because there wasn't enough people that, uh, at you know, whatever, uh, uh, pre-ordered for the thing. And the Rob didn't want to go there looking like a fool with nobody signing up for it. And we thought that would be the end of the story, Todd. But it wasn't. <laughs> because when it comes to the Rob, it never is. <laughs> never ends. So after we record, they, uh, the Big Apple Comic Con folks officially came out and said, because uh, we were looking at their site, and their site was kind of like a little difficult to navigate, like who was coming when and where, you know? Right. Uh, so they ended up moving Jim Starlin and Jim Starenko, which was another side conversation that had nothing to do with the Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> right. But someone kind of like the Honky Tonk Man uh, into separate conversations. So they moved them up to kind of replace the Rob. And we're like, okay, well, that's probably the end of the story, right? Right. And of course it wasn't because for the next three days after that, the Rob and the big Apple comic con Twitter account were fighting back and forth with each other. Mm -hmm. The Rob claiming that he had notified them on Tuesday, which is the day that he said that is tweet. Um, uh, the big Apple comic con people were claiming that they made numerous calls to both the Rob and the Rob's agent, all of which went unanswered. Then the Rob claimed that he had the receipts of the mm -hmm. conversations that they had. 
right. and Big Apple Comic Con start saying that the Rob is canceling at the last minute because he's actually booked in a convention in the UK that he forgot about. <laughs> Rob comes out and says, no, I'm not traveling because fear of expanding COVID restrictions and the Delta variant coming on. And Wait a minute. Any- oh, go ahead. And then tweets out, hey, I'll be in Arizona the week after that. <laughs> I was getting Which there. was my favorite. Like, that was like, oh, no Delta variant. It's my health. I'm worried. I'm seeing Arizona in two weeks, everybody. But then he goes on to, like, and then at the last minute, he goes, well, that UK one is only a virtual one, and I recorded it weeks ago, so it doesn't count. Right. <laughs> right. And so, in- go ahead. Go ahead. You know, in there, they're going back and forth, and it's just like everything that he's saying. Oh, I don't. Go ahead. Sorry. No. So, okay. So, I want to read the statement that Big Apple Comic Con put out. Uh, we're terribly sorry to inform you that the Rob will not be uh, at the July 17th Big Apple Comic Con. We don't know why he is not coming. We have not been contacted by him. His agent does not respond to calls or messages left since Tuesday evening. He simply stopped communicating with us and tweeted he was not coming. We were uncertain if it was a scam of some kind. I think they misspelled opportunity there. <laughs> and we were in contact planning the Friday event as late as Sunday night. Yesterday, however, we did receive our $15,000 payment back. Todd, can I just stop right there? That the Rob was getting fifteen grand for the weekend, plus whatever Viggy was cutting off the top <laughs> of the three fifty for those poor schlubs that were gonna come to the New Yorker hotel and get grifted by him again for two more variant covers, and God only knows how much. Right, right. Okay, I just need to throw that in there. That was my editorializing, uh, and thus came to know that he would not be coming again. No word, no contact. Uh, We never experienced anything like this in 25 years, Big Apple Comic Con. Even if it is a question of health, as happened with Stan Lee in 2017, someone should be in contact with us, and a message from him and or his staff should be on offer uh, to our ticket holders and management. Mr. Uh, Liefeld is still booked for a virtual signing in the UK on the 17th, exclamation point. Uh, We seek no controversy. Dramatic, dramatic pause. But we find Mr. Leefield's actions thoroughly unprofessional and disrespectful to his fans. Uh, They move the folks up, so on and so forth. This will still be a great show, so on and so forth. Uh, Something I don't know if you know that I found out about was that the original date for the Big Apple Con was supposed to be the same date as that Arizona Con. Okay. And Rob was like, the Rob was like, no, 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 I, I can't make it that date. Can you move it just for me a week earlier? <laughs> and they're like, sure, for you, yeah. And then he canceled. And, like, a lot of people are saying that's why they're mad. Like, we went out of our way. We had to, like, change dates and do stuff. And now you're canceling for the Delta variant? See you in Arizona in two weeks? So then the Rob replies um, with, I appreciate the social media efforts. Uh, I appreciate that social media affords me the opportunity to respond to misinformation like this. Phone records will inform that my representative, 
the only rep that Big Apple Comic Con has dealt with informed the folks who run the show on Tuesday afternoon, first and earliest, following up on communication from Monday evening, that I would be unable to travel and attend the show. I then took to all my social media to get the word out in advance so that folks were informed. Since that time, Big Apple Comic Con have contacted my rep repeatedly over the last 48 hours, leaving all manner of unfortunate messages. Oh. This post on Big Apple Comic Con is truly unfortunate and more importantly, not true. Cancellations are a part of conventions. Virtually, virtually every show experiences them. This is my first cancellation of an appearance in well over a decade. As when my rep informed Big Apple Comic Con on Tuesday, I regret that I will not be able to attend Big Apple Comic Con this weekend. And the Rob uh, adds, not only did they know and were informed, they then contacted me directly Tuesday afternoon, twice and through additional partners, to offer me additional unrequested sums of money in order to make the trip. I declined. They reached out to my rep as well. Uh, those were through text messages and are all time-stamped. Uh, this statement is completely false. So here's where we run into some discrepancies with this, right? Right. The Rob likes to hang his hat uh, on these time-stamped correspondences, okay? Mm-hmm. None of which he has produced. Well, he's waiting for the right time, Joe. He, he did, because he did post a screen cap. Like, you know how you can get, like, a voicemail to text? Right. He did post a voicemail to text. With no date or timestamp, and there's like there's no number affixed to it, right? It's just mm -hmm. like a it's just like a, a screenshot, and there's uh you know the voice to text where they're like, um we were looking to get a hold of the Rob. We were wondering what's going on with the convention this weekend. Please have mm -hmm. someone get back in touch with us as soon as possible. And again, right. that's the that's the only proof that he's provided. No date, no timestamp, no nothing. Right. Well, here's the thing, because he's saying, I told them Tuesday. He says Monday night. He says Monday night, he told them. Right. And earlier, too, something like that. But then he put the tweet out on Tuesday. So he's like saying this. And the, the thing that he screen capped came back was saying like, hey, we're not taking the Rob down off the website until somebody contacts us to say why you're leaving. You know, you're not going to the con. And Rob's saying, well, that's proof because that you know, this was came in Tuesday shows you that uh, I talked to them. And it's like, no, they sent that because they saw your tweet on Tuesday that you're not going to the con. Like, this is the thing. He's like, yeah, they contacted me because like I contacted them. I'm like, no, it could just be. I'm not saying who's right and who's wrong, but maybe just maybe they got their they're like they are saying they got their information that he's not coming through a tweet and they never contact him. I'm like, this is a cluster. This is a, and I don't know, like, I normally want to not believe the Rob, but there were things that the Big Apple Con was doing that, like, they were, like, like, even when, like, uh, Rob wasn't going to be in UK, they were, like, doubling down on it. And they had, like, no proof of the fact other than that virtual con. I'm like, well, it's virtual. He could do it anywhere, like... They they had so much misinformation that they, they look like idiots too. You know what I mean? But, right. So I, I do want to say there is one that the Rob has that is dated and timestamped from Wednesday at eleven in the morning. Okay, mm -hmm. that's the one I'm talking about. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, where he says I am, where it's from the Big Apple Comic Con folks, where it says I am not removing the Rob from our website or our booking until I find a written response 
from you from him as to why he's not appearing on the show. Mm -hmm. So it definitely feels as though, and again, I don't know if there's multiple people doing the Big Apple social media. I don't know if the Rob is being told one thing by his representation and his representation is doing something else. Uh, It definitely feels as though it's a lot of miscommunication. And I know the Rob stands are all on the Rob side as well. They, you know, have every right to be there. They're going to support and back their guy, you know. Right. And then there's a part of me, too, that goes, well, this has already blown the pooch. You know what I mean? It's done. Yes. So why not fisty cuff with Rob online and get a wazoo of free publicity for our show? For sure. For for uh, Jim Starlin and, and Serenko. You know, that's two gyms. I still say they should could have got a couple more gyms, but that's a whole other story. But yeah, just... <laughs> that would just, cost you $200. <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, why not just do it? And like, we're talking about it, Joe. I mean, be, a ton of people were talking about the Big Apple Con before it happened. So there's a part of me that thinks it's that. Like, there's no winners in this. Yes. So. Um, but as of... This recording, the Rob has not canceled his Arizona appearance. Right. Delta variant gone by then. Uh, at least not in Arizona. Well, it's the it's a dry heat there, so. Yeah, I don't know. There's definitely, the more and more gets revealed about this, the worse everyone involved looks. Mm-hmm. And the more and more questions it raises. So now, Joe, I have one question. How big or small do you think the Rob watch is going to be next week? Do you think he takes a break? Or do you think he just has recently just seems to have this unending energy about him? How close is Arizona to Columbia? Oh, um, it's in marching distance, I believe. Okay. (laughs) We'll see. Because I know he's been doing – I I know he's – been hitting a lot of like the conventions in Florida over the last couple of weeks. And obviously there's no concerns in Florida. No, no. But I know the pipeline runs through Florida. Yeah. I don't know if Joe Gomez was at any of those events. I got to do a little bit more investigating. I got to put in my, the Rob detective cap to see. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, but in other news, that's just a store appearance, of course, for the Rob this weekend. Uh, This weekend, though, is San Diego Comic-Con. Dramatic pause. At home, everyone. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Lots of virtual stuff. Lots of things like that. But most notably, dozens and dozens of exclusives and variants and con-related whatevers, right? Mm -hmm. So in addition to the San Diego stuff, with this show post, I'm going to include a link to uh, the Twitter account pre-turnia uh it's like attorney but like before attorney you know from he-man right right where he is doing a fantastic job of keeping track of who has what exclusives when they go live and how much things are because you've got you know super seven stuff over here you got NECA stuff over here you got storm collectibles here you got mattel here you got hasbro here Everybody's all over the place at different times and so on and so forth. This pre-attorney guy has everything on one page. So you could look at everything and know here's where all the Hot Wheels are coming out. Here's where the Ninja Turtle stuff is coming out. Here's this guy. And then like you could sort everything by 
if you want to know all the Mattel stuff, it's all right there. If you want to know all the NECA stuff, it's right there. Um, so this guy, shout out to him for doing such a bang-up job uh, on this. And uh, he has a lot of stuff, Todd. It, it gets dangerous. Yes, it does. I have to say, I'm glad you sent this to me because over the years, I was always you know, interested in the San Diego exclusive stuff, but man, it's just, like you said, it's a tedious chore to find it all. Yep. Um, this guy could make a niche with this, like, you know, like you get your foot in the door uh, and be like, all right, this, this is now where I go to find out about exclusives. Do this again with New York and any of the like Emerald city. And I will repeatedly come back to your website. So this is a great fountain of information. You just sent it to me before we started. And I'm like, Oh, I, do I have to do the show? I, I kind of want to look over this <laughs> and just like p- pull out, you know, my my wallet and just go crazy if I can. So well, uh, a majority of the stuff doesn't start going live um, officially until Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of stuff even as we record. Like Mezcon has a lot of the stuff that they haven't done. Like they're going to reveal stuff as it comes close to that. Uh, Mattel, Bandai. McFarlane still has stuff that like we know that they've announced they're going to do a reveal at this time. We don't know what they're doing, but this is when it is. And this site looks very different today from when I sent it to you this afternoon. Right. Right. Um, I hope they have some cheap stuff for the $10 Roke ski, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Don't paint yourself with that brush. So is there anything that you're looking at that you need to get? Um, um, I have that you were aware of before the list, or now that I've sent you the list, I've sent you down a dark path. Um, nothing really. Uh, uh, yet. I haven't perused it enough to 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 know. But now I don't know if they're gonna. Ha- I want to check what NECA is gonna have because NECA had a pre YouTube video for uh, San Diego Comic Con, and I'm like, okay, they're they're talking about their alien stuff, their predator, whatever. And somebody you know gave me the Iggy. They're like, go to the go go look at this at this time. And in there, they're like, okay, um, for some reason, uh, NECA with the Turtles license can only do, this is what I was told anyway a while back, Mirage-themed figures for convention exclusives. Huh. Don't know why. Maybe there's something with the license or whatever with, you know, Laren. It still has a small piece. He sold it off, but he has a small piece of doing stuff with some uh, Mirage stuff. I don't know. But they're like, okay, so everything's been San Diego or Comic-Con exclusive. There's been a few, one from Loot Crate. So I'm like, okay, I will get all of these. This is like my Azriel. So I, I do that. But they said, oh, we're going to have a mutated Shredder who there was a storyline where when he died, they basically cut him up and they fed him to worms. And then the worms like merged, like got his essence and could be a Shredder. So there there was a couple of messed up ones that they tried with. Like, we're doing that one definitely. So I'm like, oh, is that a San Diego exclusive? And then they're like, hey, we have something else coming out. We can only show you the silhouette. And I'm like, as soon as they showed it, it was Fugitoid. I'm like, I'll take one of those too. Don't know when it's coming. And then they said something like, and maybe with the Mirage line, we'll be going all in on some stuff. And I'm like, oh, dear God, there goes my wallet. So I'm, I'm interested in that um, because that's kind of like my wheelhouse. I'll buy anything that they do with the Mirage run. So, Right, because I, 
I do know that they do a lot of stuff based on like the animated series, right? Right. Because one of their one of their big ones that they're doing for uh, the San Diego exclusives is they're doing the Channel Six newsroom. Okay. With uh, April O'Neil, uh, Irma, Byrne, and Vernon, and they they come with like multiple heads, and they come with all sorts of accessories, mm-hmm. and it's like a little playset that looks like the Channel Six newsroom from the cartoon. Right. So, see, yeah, so they do a bunch of, you know, they, it looks like they got a butt, because I see that they've done, like, uh, they did, like, an Ultimates edition of April as she appears in the movie. So, again, where that goes from the Mirage run is kind of questionable as well, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we'll see. I'm not going to go down too dark of a path here with mm-hmm. you right now. But, uh, yeah, I have a bunch of the the exclusives already and i even like joined up for a loot crate to get one so <laughs> um and i i canceled right afterward but they did say i think the mutated shredder is definitely going to be a loot crate and i was talking with a uh, guy you want to rob his house for art he's like just hope it's the first loot crate in the three-parter so you can buy that and cancel the other two because if it's the other way around you have to go the full magilla and i'm like yeah because that's the way i got a shredder figure was that i bought the first box and was like okay well, I'll cancel two and three. I don't need any of that garbage because the first one was a Mirage theme box. The second was a video game theme box. And the third one was the animated. And I was like, nope, don't need any of that stuff. Yeah. So the stuff, the He-Man stuff and the G, like I'm starting to get bit by the bug of the toys that I collected as a little kid. Mm-hmm. I mentioned on uh, Ad Oz this past week where uh, I saw it was Super 7 or whoever it was was doing kind of like a like the size of the Marvel Legends, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but they were doing the G.I. Joes as they looked on the uh, cartoon, right? Because mm-hmm. the figures in the cartoon and the comic books all had like slightly different looks to them. So I go, okay, I'm looking at those, and I'm like, oh, that was my cartoon, you know? I go, right. if as long as they don't do the Dreadnoughts, I'll be okay, because I really love the <laughs> Dreadnoughts. All right, so they did the Dreadnoughts. No. So Hasbro, not for San Diego, but for something that they're doing, like PulseCon in September, announced like this ult, like mega ultimate edition of Zartan that comes with like multiple faces and he changes color in the sun and he comes with this really funky collector's box, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh boy, I got two months to really think about it, you know? So I could, I could talk myself out of it. But then I just saw, because all the He-Man stuff, interesting, okay, they're doing Hot Wheels that are based on all the little vehicles from He-Man that have, like, a little version of the guy in them, you know? Right, right. So it looks like the toys that you had as a kid, but they're Hot Wheels, and I can convince myself, I'm like, okay, they're small, they don't take up a lot of room, they probably don't cost a ton of money, you know, but there's only two so far, so, you know, I don't really need to, whatever. But then... Similar to the Zartan that I was talking about that's coming out for PulseCon in September, uh, they have a Masterverse Revelation Scareglow figure. Do you know who Scareglow is from the He-Man universe? No. He's the -the glow-in-the-dark skeleton of Skeletor. Oh! (laughs) So... The figure originally, like, it was like, oh, it glows in the dark, but it looked like trash. This thing looks unreal. <laughs> right. And it's only 35 bucks, so it's not like an arm and a leg. So I'm like, oh, I got two th- two days to think about it. Are you going to do it? Probably not. 
Okay. Um, I'm yeah. good at talking myself out of stuff for me. I, I am too. I mean, we talked a little bit before about the the three the three and seven the three and three quarter inch Marvel retros. I'm like those. I'm gonna those are biting me. And it's the package art that does it for me because it, that's the more the thing I'm nostalgia for. And I'm with you on like the, the the toys. Every year there's something that I could get from any of these conventions, but uh, I have to be real careful and joe i'm i swear to god with all this figure talk we're turning into a regular like brokens and hosky podcast or whatever like with all this fig talk no 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 this will probably be the end of fig talk doll safaris etc on this show okay good it's just because there's so much uh uh san diego stuff you know and i found that site and i want to direct you and our listeners and everyone else to it you know We'll be back here again when New York Comic Con happens. Maybe. I believe it. But um, So uh, I mentioned before, of course, at odds. I mentioned soon to be named network, uh, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, where all the shows in the network, anytime that they go up, instead of trying to worry if Google Play <laughs> or Google Podcasts or whatever horrible podcatcher you use is updating the correct files. You have a bunch of RSS feeds and a text file that you keep on all of your devices and you just pull the information from there. Uh, whether it be this show, whether it be Longbox Heroes After Dark, whether it be We Need Wrestling, whether it be At Odds With Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Wings on Wings, Porch Talk, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, all the shows in the in the uh, profit or the profit bleh, in the soon to be named network uh, or anytime anyone from those shows go on other shows uh you could find those appearances there uh, i was on my friends alex and evan's podcast this past week bored to life talking about a chikara show that they were at as fans uh and i was there as a commentator i may tell some shoot trash stories on that <laughs> show um you know if you, you're a fan of me rambling on for two and a, nearly three hours about a two hour 20 minute chikara event <sighs> from nine years ago then this is the podcast for you i'd like to say you were stumbling over those shows on the soon to be named network do you even know the shows on the soon-to-be-named <laughs> network? come on like come on be i have honest. them written on my giant hand but it's very it's very hot today <laughs> okay they're starting to bleed together um uh you can also check out uh some of our other friends that are also doing other creative stuff uh, whether it be Kevin Hellions over at his website, Mass Library. Uh, he just, as part of the Retro Network, was part of a uh, thrift store finds video that I think he has linked over there. Uh, and I think he won the competition. Like, they had, like, a bunch of the people that are contributors over at Retro Network have their thrift store finds. And I'm pretty sure Kevin won uh, unofficially. Uh, he always wins here officially. Uh, Rick Williams, the Chop Shop, those cool res- resin and glow-in-the-dark figures that he does. Uh, you could find them there. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter and Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, both comics available digitally at Comixology. The links to those, as mentioned in the show notes, as well as a link to our comic book podcast, Comics on the Green, uh, doing a brisk business in person for your pull list, your subscriptions, and they also send those out to you in the mail. If you do not have a comic book shop near you or you don't have a good comic book shop near you and you want to indirectly support us, we don't get any sort of kickback or whatever it is, but the longer our comic book shop stays in business, 
it's not in any danger of going out of business. But the longer it stays in the business, the longer it's there for us. It's very selfish for you, us, directing you there to do your pull list. They're very uh, accommodating. You want to do it once a month. You want to do it weekly. You want to do it every two weeks. Like I said, check their Facebook link out. It's in the show notes. And if you are getting stuff sent to your home, there's a chance that you might get an original sketch from our friend Becky. She puts a lot of her process and theory and everything else that she does for her sketches on her social media, which is also linked in the show notes as well. Right. If you're not a print person, there's books on sale digitally this week from all sorts of publishers. Marvel has stuff uh, for Squirrel Girl and Moon Knight on sale. Uh, Dynamite has just a graphic novel sale, which is kind of a catch-all sale, as well as John Carter and Deja Thoris stuff. Image is having a sale. They're, they're, one sale is just called their Mega Sale, and then another one is called their Eisner Sale. One very clearly stuff that's been nominated for Eisner Awards, and that's your more recent stuff, stuff that we've talked about here on the show, uh, whether it be crossover, um, Firepower, Family Tree, Gideon Falls, stuff like that, uh, whereas I think the mega sale is like everything else. Mm-hmm. Valiant is also having a mega sale. Uh, I don't know if that was uh, them planning things or just uh on originality from their digital marketing team but let's say it's a uh, kismet huh i would agree, IDW, I oh, sorry no go ahead uh idw having a graphic novel sale and dc having an essential sale which is essentially a mega graphic novel sale <laughs> so i think it's because it's comic con it's san diego comic con week um, you know, ever San Diego from home, so everyone's doing like the digital exclusives, pre-order online. So all the big companies are just like, eh, everything's on sale this week. Mm-hmm. Let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. I'm gonna let you start. I'm gonna start with the book we were both looking forward to most, which is the Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, number two, written by Kyle Starks, art by Chris Schweizer. Um, basically, the, pit, the pitch of this book is uh, the main character, Trigger Keaton, kind of like a uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, Chuck Norris character, um, has died. The, his sidekicks from various shows, there's six of them, it's right in the title, um, uh, believe that he was murdered. So they decide they're going to look into it. Um, and they ended up, you know, uh, starting a, uh, a stuntman war in the last issue. So this issue, a couple of the sidekicks decide to go to Trigger Keaton's uh, will reading to see if they can find out anything. And they go, and through a series of events, one of them gets left, one of the sidekicks who was on the show, gets left the car from their Knight Rider-like show that they're parroting here. And uh, various uh, the stuntmen show up, and things go awry. Uh, this you know, is an absolute blast. I, I love this book. And then like at the end, there's even like a message board of people talking about the show that the car is from as people do. That's hysterical. The reason the car has a nine ball on the hood is one of the things that made me absolutely laugh out loud. I just want to say everything about this book from the characters to the situations they get into are delightfully stupid. And I mean that in the best possible way. And I hope like um, if anybody's listening that 
they do when they do the trade of this and it goes on the trade dress that Todd from Longbox Heroes says book delightfully stupid but uh I can't I mean I'm not going to go into this on crazy I love like the visual gags love the 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 uh the writing this is quickly rocketing up as one of my favorite books I am having a blast if you're in the sound of my voice go get the six sidekicks of Trigger Keen uh, I do like seeing where every one of the sidekicks have kind of landed in life, mm-hmm. having the same horrible experience mm-hmm. uh, with Trigger Keaton, of course, and how it's shaped their lives. And sadly, his death is the thing that finally brings all these disparate people back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you mentioned some of the other gags. Um, and that's the thing. So Todd mentioned like seven gags in this. Right. Book, there's a and, and there's more. like 20 more that he could have mentioned. Right. Mm hmm. Um, whether it just be the one, like the way that the woman who's reading the will is drawn, like some sort of bizarre, like decrepit, melting skeleton woman. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the my fact that there were dozens of people that were in his will <laughs> that uh, were to be shipped or other stuntmen that Trigger Keaton had worked with were um, hmm, to be shipped a heavenly piece of his remains. Yes. Let's say something that he left behind in Trigger or, Keaton, but the person in charge of it accidentally put their return address on it so they knew how to get to them. Mm-hmm. Um, then, like, drawing a car chase in a comic book sometimes could be difficult where you do it for both humor and action. And I think this one nails the landing on both. I wholeheartedly agree. And the other gag where uh, Trigger Keaton leaves Paul a letter is just cracked me up. Yes. And and like you said, this is just all around just fun with, with dialogue. And like the, the thing with Kyle Starks is he has some of the best dialogue. Like I, I have a running thing on Twitter every once in a while that I'll put up one. And this, the tad, the guy, the kid who has the car, um, just, uh, one of my favorite lines is they're going to kill them. And he's just like, I'm not ready to die yet. I've only ever had perfectly normal sex. <laughs> That's the best line of this book. Um, this is, I, I love everything that Kyle Starks has done from, uh, that I've read from Rock Candy Mountain to Assassination. Um, this, in two issues, is as good as all of uh, Rock Candy Mountain for me. So Now, I know he has, uh, he did Kickstarter it, I'm, sh- uh, I'm sure, uh, but it is coming out through Image next month. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, next month called Old Head. Right. Uh, what is the log line on that? Um, now it does it does say Space Gem meets Fright Night. Don't let that throw you off. Um, right. In this hilarious action uh, horror, as a former basketball star returns home to bury <laughs> his mother, only to learn of her mysterious past, his destiny, and find himself embroiled in a decades long blood feud with. And it says this actual dracula all right and that is on i just sent in my order form today for this month okay that that is on it perfect just want to make sure you don't miss that one you know no did you read that already or i got the kickstarter on it yeah yeah okay so but anytime you know obviously he has this out that's coming out um next month so you know we're talking about it mentioning it perfect for you you to say it's on your order you know yeah, that was before I knew who he was, so. All right, so uh, the other book that we both read from this past week 
um, were was Joker number five. Uh, main story. Uh, I have it right here. Uh, this is it, it's now. And again, I hate the DC website so much. Written by James Tinney in the fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's not on the website as the credited writer. Because why would he be? That would only make sense for the writer to be credited on the website. But again, his name's in the book, so that's the most important thing. Well, um, at the end, it says uh, Matthew Rosenberg with James Tinian the fourth writers, and then Franco yeah. Villa is the author. So I'm wondering if uh, Tinian's uh, stretched himself a little thin. But anyway. Well, so and again, art by Francisco Franco Villa, as you mentioned, it says art and colors. That's int- that's uh, interesting. That I want to bring that up, of course. So this definitely is a fill-in issue uh, from the main story arc. Uh, This tells the story of the Joker's first night in Arkham Asylum and continuing to build up the seeds that we see in the main story of Jim Gordon's obsession with the Joker. Uh, We get a lot of the Marconi crime family stuff. We get uh, pre-Two-Faced DA Harvey Dent in this and how Jim Gordon's obsession with the Joker is starting to tear every relationship in his life apart, and all the Joker just wants is a slice of pie. Yep. So I like this, okay? Okay. But we're already five issues in, and we're doing digressions here to tell, like, other stories. They're kind of... Because, you know, we talked here, like, once this arc is done... What else can they do? Well, this arc isn't even over yet, and we're already getting the like the backstory stuff thrown in here, you know? Right, but there is something there is, but there is another thing in here that ties closely to what's going on in the main story, I believe. Is you know where the Joker like like Jim is like, he's not gonna be able to stay in a regular cell. You have to put him in the special wing that you had built, and they're like, No, 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 that was built for this person. Um, that person is related to the, 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 the girl and the guy from last issue that he cut up his face and everything. That's right. So this is laying the groundwork for why the Joker and those people have a beef. So I'm completely fine with it. I mean, and it also does do stuff with Jim Gordon, which I absolutely love that. Like from the first day in Arkham. He's pretty much just ruining Jim's life. All right. All around, I, I thought this was a way stronger issue. And I've liked the flashbacks in like, even when they showed Jim in Chicago beforehand, he's like, this is me on a case that, you know, stuck in my head and I'm talking to old cops. I'm like, I don't care. It was all written fantastic for me. Um, and I want to see what the Samson family stuff is all about. I'm with you, but we do get those bits where it's like, here's a little bit of pre stuff of Jim Gordon. And then, you know, two, three, four pages in, it rolls into the main story. This one, it's like, oh, here we are. Page two, page three, page four, page seven. It's like, oh, there's just a flashback issue. And Mm -hmm. I like Francisco Francavilla's art. This felt colored weird or inked weird. Like he has a very heavy ink style. And a lot of times he plays in a lot of oranges and yellows and some purples and stuff. Mm-hmm. But this had like, and like this is such nitpicky stuff, but this had like a lot more like drab greens and whites, which I didn't think play to his normal style. So a lot of those pages, he went like a little heavier on the ink. Right. And then his normal um, oranges and yellows and purples and stuff 
felt like from the wrong box of paint, I guess is the best way I could say. Does that make any sense? I kind of get what you mean. The problem I had with his art on the book is that it's so jarring to go from Gilliam March to this. That's my problem. But otherwise I had no, you know what I mean? But if you're yeah. st- if now if you're going to stick with him as fla- as the flashback artist, then okay. But I don't I don't know. I I get what you're saying. I wasn't big on the look, but yeah, it is what it is. I should have picked Thor. Should have picked Thor. <laughs> Either either one were next in line, so it was just literally a turn to the left, you know, mm-hmm. and then a step to the right. But that's for Friday. <laughs> Stop it. So, <laughs> so that's what we read this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Um, I am currently in the lead with two correct guesses over Todd. And I'll privately tell Todd off air about all the typos that he had in his thing. I had typos? You had a ton of typos. Name one typo. And there's well, still a typo in there. But anyway, There's go ahead. still a typo. Well, there's one typo that you had because you said second coming, only begotten son was issue two. So I'm like, is it issue two or is it issue three? I'm like, I have issue three on my list, but I trust Todd. And so I changed mine to issue three. And then I got the, the Ahoy comic whatever media thing today. And they're like, here's issue three. And I'm like, Todd was wrong. And then he also forgot to put a number or two on a couple books. Those aren't typos. Those are missing numbers. So there's a difference. <laughs> typos are letters that are wrong. Missing numbers are completely different. But as you listen to this, you won't even know because they'll already have been corrected. Right. Good. Um, so I'm looking over your list, Joe. Is the book you're looking forward to most? Well, obviously, he's not second coming number two. So um, is it blue and gold number one, Joe? Uh, it is blue and gold number one. Just like I think the book you were most looking forward to coming out this week is also blue and gold number one. No, it's X-Men Legends number five, Joe. Why no, are you reading an X-Men book? Did you lose a bet? No, for, uh, it, it, obviously it is blue and gold number one. But uh, actually, uh, just joking, X-Men Legends number five is a Peter David X-Factor story that takes place between two issues back in his like issue run with that famous Quicksilver uh, Doc Samson issue. Yeah, okay. So I was like, you had me on Peter David X-Factor. I will buy that book. It's a two-part story so i was like i'm really and obviously not more than blue and gold but i'm like i'm really looking forward to that so Mm. and uh side note unrelated um i talked to uh my friend james over the weekend okay and uh he was the one who did the uh, mutant minute all those years back oh yeah yeah and he i just with uh again not giving away too much of his personal life but with the new fancy job that he has he has Mm -hmm. less of a commute than i do so he's huh. like, I got, he goes, I don't have time for comic books or podcasts or nothing. So I'm oh. like, all right, you're doing, he's doing well though. I miss James. If he, well, if this is the episode that he decides to listen, I, it's a message for him. I miss you. I wish you didn't live in Ireland for a multitude of reasons. I'm sad that he doesn't have time for comics, but if he doesn't have time for X-Men comics, then that's a good thing. 
<laughs> so uh, something that we do definitely have time for Todd, of cool. course, and that is uh, Todd and Joe have issues where you and I are going through uh, two, I, I think, uh, unappreciated story arcs in the world of comic books. Uh, the Jimmy Palmiotti, uh, Justin Gray, uh, Jonah Hex run from the early to mid 2000s and the spider clone saga. We're halfway there, Todd. Uh, we still have got enough time to see which one ends up being better overall. Yeah, it's still a, it's still neck and neck, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where do you want to start? Well, you started the show, so you can uh, you can regale us with uh, your thoughts on the Spider Clone Saga. Oh, you're killing me. But anyway, so uh, we start off with Web of Spider Man, uh, one twenty seven. Uh, as we last left them, uh, Kane and not Kane, uh, Jackal and Peter. Like, you know, he Peter had found out that he was the the clone, so. Uh, Jack was extending his hand to him to join. And while that's going on, uh, a, a, a SWAT team is going to get them off the top of the Empire State Building. And for some reason, um, it says, see other issues. Uh, Punisher's off his, you know, off his rocker again. And he's out to just shoot people. So, like, uh, Jackal. For, like, maybe there's a book that you didn't give me, which is fine. Don't need more Clone Saga. But... Like, how Punisher just knows Jackal's on the roof of the Empire State Building, I have no idea. But uh, Peter realizes that someone's going to, you know, take a pot shot at him because his spider senses go off. And he saves uh, Jackal by swinging off the Empire State Building. Cut to uh, Mary Jane Watson. She's with her aunt. Anna, I believe I have that right. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about, like, you know, how how things are going to be. And Anna's like, don't worry everything's going to be all right. Uh, and I'm going to help out like, you know, taking care of the house and everything. So Jackal and, uh, Peter are like talking. He's like, Hey, you come with me and like, you know, we'll be responsible. It's important to the new responsibility of to humanity. And he's like a lot of responsibility being thrown around in these books. Um, but in the end, like Punisher finds them and takes a shot at Peter but Jackal sees his opportunity to win Peter's trust and jumps in front of the bullet. Um, he's like, Oh, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm dying kind of a thing. You have to take me back to the pod and I can regenerate. And Peter kind of like loses his cool on the Punisher and takes him out. Um, Punisher ends up almost getting arrested, but thanks to smoke grenades uh, gets away. Um, Kane is having his visions at this point still, and they're getting worse. But now he says he can kind of see who the person who is killing MJ is. And he's like, it can't, it, no, it can't be. So that leads me to believe that it's actually him somehow. Um, so like Jackal does get back to his, uh, his lab and Peter ends up putting him in the pod uh, Punisher ends up getting away uh, thanks to, uh, you know, sneaking into the sewers and almost electrocuting the SWAT team, which he's known for, you know, murdering SWAT team. So, but luckily he didn't have to do it. And at the end of this issue, Jackal says like, ha, 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 in the pies, like, couldn't have worked out better if I planned it myself. Ha, ha, a la like Beavis and Butthead. Or did I? And then he laughs maniacally. Once again, like that whole thing, like we had a, a while back where, uh, Jack was like, did I or didn't I plan this whole thing? So I don't know what's going on there. Not a great issue, but uh, 
not the worst issue either. Do you have any notes on that? I do. So you mentioned about like the annotations for like, oh, see this for this reason for the Punisher or see that for this reason for the Punisher, right? Mm -hmm. This was just more to explain the hows and the why Punisher is acting the way that he is in his own stories that had nothing to do with what's going on here. Okay. Um, if you saw that, because we talked uh, last week, and I know we've talked about it before, where this one Marvel was sectioned off into all these different offices, like the Spider books were here, and the X books were here, and the Avenger books were here, and then your hodgepodge folks, like your street-level folks, like your Punishers and Daredevils, but then also like Nick Fury, the Hulk, and Doctor Strange were all in something called Marvel Edge. Okay. And uh, if you saw there, one of the annotations was for Double Edge Omega. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, we're spinning out of X-Men Alpha and Omega from the, from the Age of Apocalypse stuff. We're now here into Maximum Clone Age, Omega and Alpha, and now everything is getting an Alpha and Omega, right? Mm -hmm. The law of diminishing, diminishing, diminishing returns. <laughs> um, but if you... And so this is a Spider-Man sort of thing that... Um, and they mention it here that the first appearance of the Punisher was in an issue of Spider-Man where the Jackal hires the Punisher to kill Spider-Man. Oh, see, I, okay. And that's why the Punisher is coming after the Jackal, because he is essentially attempting to clean up his past, like, evil doings, right? Okay. Uh, now, obviously, the Kane vision that he sees where it's like, no, it can't be, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, it's not Kane, okay? Right. But here's the problem, and we'll get into it a little bit more in the next issue. How, how can anyone tell the difference in person between the multitudes of Peter clones that we're seeing, let alone the multitude of Peter clones that could possibly be appearing in your visions? Oh. Well, we know it's not Kane, because Kane has got the... Degener degeneration of his clone stuff so i don't even know I uh and the last bit from this issue uh as peter is bringing uh the jackal back to his whatever uh he gives peter the cl the code to bypass the security system mm -hmm. and the code was 149-151 is that the clone saga those were the issues of amazing spider-man of the original clone saga I don't mind that stuff. That stuff's kind of cool. Yeah, you know, I mean? you know, and that's the thing. Like, at the time, like, I read that. I'm like, oh, that's so clever. And, like, right. today, I, I'm just like, that's a thing that they did. Right. I, I figured it might be something, but you know what I mean? Like, whatever. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I So uh, the next issue of Maximum Clonage is uh, Amazing Spider-Man 404. So, uh, you know, isn't that like a computer thing? It's not working? Yes, it's a runtime error. I think we uh, named one of our episodes after that as well. Well, this story's got a runtime error. But anyway, uh, so Peter's, you know, in the lab. Ben just shows up, which I like. But he explains, he's like, I followed a lead to, that the jackal might be here. And I didn't expect to find Peter. I'm sorry. And they end up, he's like, I, you know, they, uh, Ben's trying to be like, oh, I understand how it is. And I know how you feel. And so Peter ends up clocking him. He's like, you know, I'm not giving up my family. My, this, you have no idea, like, uh, how I've lost everything. Or I've. I've lost everything, my wife, my child. And he's like, Peter, I understand. He's like, shut up, shut up. Uh, you're not me. I'm a clone kind of the deal. And uh, Peter, like, walks off into the lab a little more. And then fan favorite Spider-Side shows up and grabs a hold of Ben 
And he's like, you don't like belong here. And they end up having a fight naturally uh, with spider side being uh, the T 1000 doing stuff uh, like he shatters, but then he can control every molecule. So we're seeing how his powers work, you know, as to opposed to, as opposed to be, being explained. Um, Kane found the lab and he shows up and he pulls the jackal out of the pod and they end up like, you know, kind of like fighting and he's like, Oh, like, well, maybe I can fix you kind of a deal. And, uh, if you join me kind of a thing and Kane's like, okay. Um, so they end up running off and finding spider side and Ben fighting. And he's like, and this is one of my favorites is Peter shows up again and comes back and Jackal says, isn't this wonderful? All my boys together again, Robbie, Chip, Ernie, and well, I suppose you'll just have to be uncle Charlie. Do you know what references these are to Joe? Uh, that's my three sons. Yes, and I always thought it was Keith who was dropping these, uh, Salty Keith, who was dropping My Three Sons references into his stories. Um, I'm starting to think it's JM now, Joe. <laughs> so I just found that amusing. So uh, he, like, Jackal's, like, you know, giving up the plan. He's like, we're going to rid the world of, uh, you know, uh, people. Like, you do it with clones, and we could be together. And Ben's like, no, like... Uh, ends up like smacking them. And at this point, like it turns into a free for all with like Peter kind of joining like Jackal, but it's because he's stopping Ben. Like it gets very like vague on that point. Cause they want to make sure that like Peter's, you know, you're not sure what way he's going, but spider side one wanders off because his head is spinning and he <sighs> runs into Scryer Joe Scryer's there and his name is Scryer being more mysterious than more mystery than man an angel ageless timeless entity whose purpose if revealed would be unfathomable to the to the mortal mind for untold century he's probably been um so he ends up uh talking to spider so he's like tell me who you are and scryer's response is silence brief and enlightening and he touches spider side in the head he's like i know i know who i am what i am it's all so clear and i'm like okay god only knows what this is you know what i mean like so if you remember when uh us uh, at the end of one of the storylines when the third parker clone blew up and then he was just like a pile of goo and oh, okay. Scry and Scryer came and saved him and then just dropped the pile of goo back off for the jackal. And then the jackal turned the pile of goo into spider side. Okay. So he's given all those memories, I guess. Okay. So here's the, uh, so I know that you have more to say about this issue. So we get this scene where Scryer enlightens spider side and now spider side knows everything. And then when spider side shows up later in this, this issue, he's just like doing his normal stuff. You would think right. if he was enlightened and shown the truth of everything that was going on, he would say something, act different, I don't know, anything. Right, right. So he just shows up and they're talking and like they basically, like Peter and Kane have the best of Ben and he's like, and, and Ben's like, oh, like your, your thing to destroy all the people in, in Pennsylvania, like you're a madman. And uh, he's like... Uh, and spider side shows up and he's like, and if you want to make yourself useful, like now that you're back, kill him. And he points at Kane. Kane's like, wait a minute, we, we were a team. You're going to stop the, 
to degeneration. He's like, why would I do that? You're a worthless walking heap of genetic trash, a complete waste of blood and hair. He's like, you can't do this. Like, I trusted you. And he's like, please don't do this. Abandon me again. And he's like, ah, to heck with this. I see I was a fool. Then you'd never help me. So I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. And just Kane just walks out. I'm like, I don't even know what's happening here. So uh, he ends up, like, Kane starts, like, he basically did something to Ben who's who's feeling woozy now. And so he has spider side throw him in a room. And now at this point, Joe, um, he locks him in the room and he's like, oh, what's in here with me kind of a deal. And if if this was after dark, I'd be cursing up a storm. Because the last panel is Ben, like, you know, <laughs> in the room. And he's like, uh, what did the jackal use on me? Thundering in my ears like a stampede, deafening. It sounds so terrifying. And he's right. It's terrifying because it's a room full of Peter clones. The Peter clone number has gone off the charts in this. There has to be 30 of them on this page. Mark Bagley makes it look beautiful, but I almost like pitched a fit on Twitter when I got to this last page. (laughs) Oh, my God, Joe. They're not lying. It's maximum clonage. It certainly is. Well, I did tell you, I did give you the heads up because you, before we started this, you'd ask me like, are we done with any new clones? And I said, well, when we get to the story entitled Maximum Clonage, the needle is going to pin in the red. And then after that, it's going to be quiet for a while. Right. So you could tell me like that we're, that then I'll at least have like a little to no new clones for a while after this. All right, good. Well, we still got um, uh, three, at least three more issues of this nonsense. I mean, right. uh, expert storytelling. Okay. So do you have any uh, notes that I missed? or Because I'm sorry. Like, I'm starting to – my brain's starting to turn to mush with the Spider-Clone saga. No, no. I chimed in with the uh, Spider-Side stuff and the inconsistency of that bit with Scryer. Um, I don't know why Kane would trust uh, Jackal in the slightest. And I get that, like – dangling the carrot of, like, I can reverse your clone degeneration. Um, mm-hmm. I just assume at this point, Jackal has been proven throughout the last 27 weeks to be a notorious liar. So I say we just kill him and then not have to worry about all of his lies. He is causing more harm than good. And the more the longer he stays around, the more things get muddied and confused. What muddied and confused the spider clone saga? Go on. Well, it's all it's all about the jackal. If and when the jackal leaves, I think things are going to um, clear itself right up. Right with a special one shot at the end that explains it all. Um. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So uh, Jonah Hex number thirty-seven. Uh, of course, as mentioned, written by Jimmy Pamiotti and just. Uh, Justin Gray, art by regular artist, I would say at this point, Jordy Bernay. Has the most issues, but go ahead. Yes, yes. Uh, So uh, the title of the uh, story is Trouble Comes in Threes, and boy howdy does it. As we start off with Jonah kind of pinned down uh, with a man in a cave where a man has a whole bunch of uh, loot, I guess, that Jonah is helping him protect, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, as some folks come to get them out of the cave, 
Uh, Jonah gets the drop on them and brings them into town to collect the reward on them. Then we go to another scene of these three ladies, and I forget the ladies' names. Help me out here. Um, one, I believe, is Anna. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, Daisy, I'm... Anna, mm-hmm. and somebody else. I, I I don't have them off the top of my head. Okay. So they have not been paid for whatever it is that they're doing here in the circus. Uh, they confront Clayton, the man who runs the circus. And listen, I, I know all about confronting people named Clayton over money owed. Um, but uh, a bit of interesting dialogue here um, where he says to them, this conversation's over, skedaddle for I put the three of you across my knee and wake the snakes. No. Well, uh, he's not, gonna... not terminology I'm familiar with. He's going to, uh, you know, when you do too much uh, stomping, the snakes come out to wander around in the desert, Joe. Right. Sure, sure. Uh, so they, the three ladies, come into town. They see that the sheriff has been tied up uh, by the people that Jonah was supposed to be bringing in. Uh, so they decide, uh, the, they tell the sheriff, it's like, oh, those we saw those guys. They were heading uh, east. So why don't you go east and catch them? Uh, mm-hmm. But really, they were heading south because they, these three ladies, are going to catch them. Uh, but, of course, the only person that they really have to worry about is Jonah Hex, who's also in town as well. And I would say the uh, more um, comely of the three lasses decides that she's going to use her feminine wiles to distract Jonah. Uh, but, say- again, we know as readers of this book that that only lasts on Jonah for... A short amount of time, uh, Jonah, of course, gets the drop on the two of the three ladies while he has the other one bound and gagged over uh, his shoulder. And as he is sneaking up on them, the one, uh, not Annie, what's her name? I forget. She has an attack eagle. Kamiko is her name. Kamiko has an attack eagle. And uh, in the brouhaha, uh, Annie, the one who uh, tried to use her feminine wiles to distract Jonah, she falls down a cliff. Jonah assists her in being rescued, but she's uh, maybe starting to fancy Jonah just a bit. And, uh, of course, Jonah has nothing to do with any sort of uh, women or anything else at all like that. Jonah returns to the cave where he's helping the old prospector man and... uh, you know, through the comedy of errors in this issue, Jonah just says to the man, it's like, here, it's yours. Just don't tell anyone what happened here ever. Right. Uh, so, again, I've talked about this before. I like this issue just fine. Um, there's not only callbacks to previous stories with the Pinkertons and stuff, mm-hmm. but then we get introduced to three brand new characters in this that right. feel as though that we're supposed to either, A, know who they are from previously established stuff, or B, they're newly created characters for the story. So it's like, okay, I got to make sure that I remember these folks. But for all I know, this is probably like their one and only appearance. Um, they have never been around before. And I do believe this is their one and only appearance. But I could be wrong because there's some like people who come back later. If they are, they're not like around, you know, for more than one story. But uh, yeah, so don't worry yourself too much. I'm not worried, but I enjoyed this just fine. Jordy Brene draws uh, Annie, uh, you know, very voluptuous, I'll say. And that's not 
um, something that I've seen from Jordy Bernays art up to this point. Mm-hmm. So to see him kind of drawn a little bit more on the cheesecake style of things, right. I don't want to say it was shocking, but I was like, oh, okay, that's uh, that's interesting, right? His his cheesecake stuff is amazing. I that's the one thing that I will say because when I went to get my uh, commission off him, I saw his other like samples, and I'm like, dear God, I want uh, like a woman you know, like character, something. But I was like, I'm go- what I'm going for, I have to pay for this. But his, like when he wants to do that, it's, there's, I will say that there's like few that can match him with that stuff. But with the story, this isn't one of my favorite stories. It's a good story. It's all right. My favorite thing is this is one of the few times that like Jonah's bounty gets away clean. Like, like the, the, the people he's after get the clean pin on Jonah. You know what I mean? Right. And he's like, Oh, what am I going to do? I just got to walk away, you know? And I like that every once in a while that Jonah doesn't win, but you know, he didn't die either. So, but he looked strong and that's the most important thing. That's what it's all about. Especially, you know, he, he kept, uh, he kept Annie busy for a while. So, right. Anyway, that's for another show to be discussing that sort of behaviors. Right. So next week, Todd, we have, of course, uh, issue 38 of Jonah Hex, and we have uh, Spider-Man 61 and Spectacular Spider-Man 227. Okay. Uh, we're reaching a crescendo here with some of this stuff in the uh, Spider-Clone saga, as it were. If I'm looking at this listing correctly, um, we do... Uh, so next week is after well next week it's those two then it's maximum clonage omega and then it's uh you know two issues for the next couple weeks and then we get a little bit of a reprieve there for about a month and a half of just one issue a month or one issue a week rather that's that's music to my ears joe yeah it's it's coming it's coming we're we're reaching we're about um oh boy and again let me look at it one more time here to see the issue numbers um we hit that spectacular spider-man once we hit like spectacular spider-man like oh boy okay it's a little bit further away than i thought (laughs) right don't tease me like that no no but there's definitely like a turning point where it's like okay this kind of closes everything that we've been doing here and then we kind of come back and revisit everyone like maybe like two or three months down the road right uh, but you know, we're, we're, we're half, we're more than halfway there, Todd. I know that's we're we're, you know, we're on the other side of it. So, yeah. So, uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did have an art attack from Rebecca's art, just a random head sketch by Rebecca with a character with like, it looks like a, a ponytail, like a goatee. Um, I think we've seen this character before because I'm kind of remembering the eyebrow piercing and the look of the face and the sideburns. But uh, it's nice to just see, like, you know, a nice little easy headshot. Uh, Nice stuff. It looks like possibly maybe due to the uh, possibly nose labrum piercing, the uh, chin stuff, maybe kind, and the hair, of course, um, combination. Maybe it looks like a female jin. Okay. That's being built on there again. Go just ahead. It's a little bit to speculate on of what it could be, right? Uh, so but thank that was... you, Rebecca, of course, uh, for sharing your process, sharing your work with us. Uh, we definitely like to uh, share that with all of our listeners. 
Uh, also, uh, stuff that we like to share with you, our listeners, is our store where you can purchase shirts and pins and stickers uh, with our fancy logo on them. And that link is right on Longbox Hero. It says store. Uh, if you want more things inspired by more of the shows on Soon to Be Named Network, you can head over to our T Public store, which is at tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. This is the week of the 35 off sale. So if you want the Soon to Be Named Network logo on a cell phone cover, you want the Jingle Meister logo <laughs> on a notebook to write all of your ideas and plans for the rest of the year in. Now is the time to do it 35% off. Another way that you can help the show is by signing up for our Patreon. $5 a month gets you those two bonus shows uh, previewing the past. Todd and I look at uh, this month, 30 years ago's previews catalog and six never seen movies where Todd assigns me six movies I've never seen. I assign Todd six movies he's never seen. Rinse and repeat over the course of the year. Uh, we need to start thinking maybe a month or so about what we're doing for next year's movie project. I was literally thinking about that today, but I know you get testy when I, you know, bring stuff up too early. So nah, we could bring that up maybe on next week's After Dark. Okay. And uh, obviously at that $5 level, you get After Dark three days before everyone else so that you could listen to these shows in the correct listening order. A buck is going to get you those same two bonus shows as well every month. You're just going to get them a little bit later than the $5 folks. Mm-hmm. Got to incentivize that additional funds coming in to us. Uh, one more way, of course, that you could support us is making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link that sits atop the page at longboxheroes.com. Does not cost you anything extra. Amazon calls it an advertising fee for us directing you to them. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Advertising fee. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, somebody purchased the young adult novel of unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Squirrel Meets World. Uh, somebody also purchased the Avatar The Last Airbender, The Promise Omnibus. Uh, somebody also po- purchased a Moto G7 uh, with Alexa hand-free 64-gig phone. Hmm. Okay. And somebody also purchased the Highlights brand Hide and Seek at the construction site, a Lift the Flat book, and Play-Doh Wheels gravel construction toy uh, with non-toxic pavement building compound with three additional colors. I'm assuming that's going to someone who has a child who really loves trucks. Mm, I could use that for the wall, Joe. Uh-huh. The the non-toxic the non-toxic pavement building compound. Yeah, in three additional colors. I can yes. add some colors. Gray, light gray, and dark gray. I'm gonna go for the flag of Italy. So <laughs> and uh hey, I mentioned it last week. I'd be remiss to mention it again. Uh Amazon has a lot of different services available to you. If you're a full fledged Prime member, you probably get all of them, but if you're not, they have a lot of other things. It'd be Prime Music, Prime Books, Prime Whatever. For this month, up until August 6th, uh, if you sign up for a free trial of Prime Video using our affiliate link, we get 10 bucks. Normally, for those bounties, for those free trials, for those Prime whatevers, it's usually 2 bucks. Up until August 6th, free trial of Prime Video is 10 bucks, And that's literally, you sign up for the trial on a Monday, you cancel on a Tuesday, we still get the 10 bucks. Okay. 
So that's another. Those are many ways that you can help out the show with all this great content that we give you week in and week out, and you know, twice on every other Friday. You know. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it outside of TV talk. Am I correct? Uh, you are right. So I want to mix things up just a bit with TV talk here. Okay. I want to start with uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. And save low-key for last. Fair enough. All right. Uh, So this uh, episode of Legends of Tomorrow is a John Constantine story uh, with finding out that the Fountain of Youth. Now, it's weird that they don't call it the Fountain of Youth. Is the Fountain of Youth, like, somehow trademarked or something that they can't use it without giving someone some money? So they have to call it, what do they call it, the Fountain of Imperium? Imperium? Yeah. Which I think is something from, like, literally, not trying to be funny, Aleister Crowley. Okay. Like, he believed in alien, uh, what do you call it, magic or whatever. So that might be an actual thing. I don't think like what they were trying because the Fountain of Youth they were in Spain. The Fountain of Youth was in Florida. That was the 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 Spaniards came to Florida looking for it. That's where it was rumored to be. Right. So I'll, I will say this: when I do a Google search for Fountain of Imperium, the only results that come up are Legends of Tomorrow. Okay, maybe I may be wrong then. So I think this is just something that they're doing so they don't have to like cut a check to the people that own the trademark on Fountain of Youth. Right. And I go ahead because I have a side note here. I just want to say that I just found out that uh, uh, I was looking. I thought, and I and I was I was right. Is the voice of Aleister Crowley is Matt Lucas, who is one of my favorite comedians. From Britain, he did a show called Little Britain, and I was I was on another website, and they had a different actor as him. But I'm like, this sounds, and it's me and Adams, like one of one of our favorite shows, Little Britain, and other stuff that he did. Um, and I'm like, it is, and the 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 painting looks like him. So I'm hoping we get Matt Lucas as uh as the actual Aleister Crowley from the like he gets out of the painting. Uh, that's something just for me. Um, but I wanted to bring it up. But go ahead. So yeah, isn't uh, it wasn't Matt Lucas also a Doctor Who of some kind? Yes, he was. He was one of the companions during the Peter Capaldi episodes. Gotcha. But yeah, so uh, him doing the voice, of course. But I just want to throw here, talking about the fountain fountain of youth. I just learned today that Gene Simmons owns the trademark to a bag with a dollar sign on it. <sighs> Like, if you put that, like, on, like, a shirt or a something, you have to give a cut of that to Gene Simmons. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just now you found that out? Uh, some, so, uh, a buddy of mine, Joe, does, like, this song a day thing from the 90s. And I forget who the artist was, but their album cover was just a bag, uh, presumably filled with money, with a dollar sign on it. Well, when they released the album, they got a call from Gene Simmons' lawyers because he owns the trademark on that imagery, and they used it without his permission. Right. (laughs) You don't want to mess with Gene, man. 
I just assume everything. We're going to find out that the Longbox Heroes logo that we had commissioned by our good friend Tom Dorinick is somehow owned by Gene Simmons. I just found out the other day that our likenesses are owned by Gene Simmons. (laughs) No. I do have a famous look. Anyway, uh, so... With this information about the, uh, and again, I'm going to call it the Fountain of Youth. His mama named it the Fountain of Youth. I'm calling it the Fountain of Youth. Um, they get information of the map to the Fountain of Youth that Alistair Crowley left with a banker. And the banker is still alive because she is a vampire, which is a new wrinkle on things. Excuse me. Right. A new wrinkle on things. And when she shows up, not only does she have the map, which does lead them to 1935 Spain during the Spanish Civil War, but also uh, she gives, the vampire banker, gives John Constantine a vial of Aleister Crowley's blood. With the, is it expressed or explicit uh, information that it would revive John's powers? Does she come right out and say it, or does she kind of like, tiptoe around it she she says that this potion the way i figured it was she said that he had me make this potion are you sure it was his blood i just figured it was something that she made but whatever regardless she she was like you know what this potion is and you you know you you'll probably be gagging for it kind of a deal and john john was just puts it in his pocket and I just realized, like, it's just because John knows everything that we're, he's, he knows it before we do and at the end of the episode. So they travel, uh, John and Spooner travel back to 1935, and it turns out that the Fountain of Youth, one, has dried up, but also it is in the embodiment of a young boy named Fernando. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I get, and so who is it that's the Prussians that are after it uh, on behalf of Hitler who are out looking for relics like this, which was a thing of the time, you know, in between World War One and World War Two, there was rumors, of course, that Hitler was looking for all those sort of artifacts and things and, you know, um, and again, not, I don't want to say mythical things, but, you know, things that may or may not actually exist, right? Right. Uh, so Spooner is able to uh, converse with the guy because, or with Fernando, because he is a mute, but he has the power of the Fountain of Youth. He is able to bring his cousin Elgato back to life after he is shot by the Prussian people. Uh, John goes to formulate a plan, and he's him and Han about drinking the potion, but instead comes back as Father John Sarducci <laughs> to attempt to trick them. The trick works. He gets Spooner and Fernando out of there. Uh, Fernando leads them to where the Fountain of Youth was. They find out that it has been dried up. Um, John, of course, desperate, thinking that this is the way that he's going to get his powers back, uh, convinces Fernando and Spooner to do a transfer of this power from Fernando to John, but it does not work because John is not worthy to receive the power. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Prussian soldiers show up, John drinks the potion, has a trippy magic, whatever, but he had that taste of magic back. Now returning back to the normal world, he gives the portrait of Aleister Crowley to the vampire banker in return for more vials of whatever that potion blood or whatever it is. 
And of course, there needs to be something for John Constantine to be addicted to in this network television show. So what better than this potion, this blood, whatever it is. We also get other stories involving the puppet baby from the previous episode growing up at an alarming rate. And uh, Mick and his daughter going through their varying stages of pregnancy. Yep. Um, just on John, though, I do love when he took the potion. And like you said, he went full on Willy Wonka boat ride in that. Yes. So that's literally what I kept thinking. I was like, this is actually a really creepy scene. And the scene where the uh, vampire invites her, gets invited in because of the rules and talks to John and she does the whole fast vampire thing is right up against his neck. That always freaks me out. So I like all the John stuff. My favorite part of the Gus Gus stuff, which was the, uh, you know, the giant, uh, the, the, the baby that it grows up really fast. And then basically because they have to get Rory to the medical bay, they basically attack Gus Gus, light him on fire and then push him out into a forest which made no sense to me because the whole point of getting Gus Gus was because these aliens lost in time on earth where they shouldn't be. So I'm like, they have to go get him. Right. And I actually thought he was going to show up in John's storyline and save them. Like, cause they were in a forest. It was this whole weird thing, but I'm like, okay. Unless they're like, Oh, Gus Gus is going to die like a mayfly in an hour. I don't know. That whole thing just had me really like, I don't know. They're not paying attention to the plot, Joe, on Legends of Tomorrow. Uh-huh. So, but interesting. So we'll see. We shall see. But I like this episode just fine. I, I like the strong. I felt the stuff with John was very strong. Yes, I like John. And the, I, I especially like when they go darker with John. And I do like when Crowley asked him if John was juicing. So that was funny. Anyway. Loki? Loki. Oh, but also Legends of Tomorrow won't be around next week, right? Well, so you said that, but then Imdaba claims that there's an episode next week. Right. But when I was watching it, because I know you fast forward through the commercials, I was making popcorn when I was watching Mayan, and they said coming back August 8th on the CW. Mm. And according to Wikipedia which is the best-known source for Legends of Tomorrow uh, information, they say it's coming back August 8th. Okay. So I'm going to trust you and Wikipedia over IMDb. IMDb has led me astray before. Right. And only, uh, you know, Only Begotten Son is issue three. We all know that. So let's, right. you know. But now on to Loki. Sorry. Okay. You start. Okay. So basically... Um, after last episode, we are at the uh, fortress at the end of time with uh, he. I forget what they call him. He who's at the end or something like that. Um, he who remains. He who remains. Um, this is their his headquarters. So Sylvie and Loki are going in. They end up getting threatened by Miss Minute. But the long and the short of it is, they end up meeting this person who is in charge of it. He he who remains, and he's basically tells them. Hey, um, there was a multiverse before this and I'm from the, like was from your future and there was a war between us and I came out on top and I basically stopped it and I'm watching everything. Um, but I'm tired 
And uh, if, you know, I basically want to give it to you two to take over because I kind of want to give up. But he's got that whole thing where, like, the time authority, he's got a, a pad where he knows everything. So he they can't kill him. They can't attack him. And Loki and uh, Sylvie basically have this interesting conversation of, like, what if there's something worse than him? Because, there, you know, there's all these other things. He's like, I've been a teacher. I've been a conqueror, Joe. He says conqueror. Um, which is interesting. And he said so he's we, from the 31st century. century? Right, right. Oh, Todd. So um, as this goes on, like Sylvie's like, no, we can't trust him. And I know what you, he's like, maybe we do it because what's, you know, the thing, the devil you don't know. And she's like, no, you just want power. He's like, no. And it's interesting because Sylvie doesn't trust and he, he you know, he can't be trusted. It, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, but she ends up sending him back to the Time Authority. Um, while that's going on, the people at the Time Authority, the one-minute person, she's running around taking people, showing them that uh, Ravona, that's her name, right? Ravona? Yes. Is um, is a, uh, a, diver- uh, a variant. Because they keep taking her back to her, where she works at the high school, which was the the name that was on the pencil, and that's the way they're going about recruiting all the 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 people that work in the the the, the time variant authority. Because they're like, look, she's we're all variants, and this is proving it right here. So that's kind of cool. Um, basically, Sylvie ends up, you know, uh, the, he who remains is like, I'll make you a deal. You could have you can have happy memories. You can wake up tomorrow and have all the happy memories, or you can kill me. Um, and she ends up pulling out her sword and she ends up telling him like, you know, well, not telling him, but he goes out and he's like, okay, this, you know, see you soon kind of a deal. And she ends up running him through and all the, like in time and space, the, the timeline starts to branch off even more outside the fortress. And she's kind of looking at it and, and maybe realizing that things have gone awry and Loki's back and he tries to find, uh, more, uh, I would say Morbius, but it's Moebius. And he ends up uh, like not recognize him because wherever Sylvie sent him back, either time has changed or he's on a different timeline. So uh, now, but he sees a version of he who remains is running hit the version he's at. And he looks suspiciously like a, a, a costume that I've seen before, but I can't quite place it, Joe. Todd. Remember last week when you sat on this very show and you mm-hmm. said, they're not going to do Kang the Conqueror. No one knows who Kang the Conqueror is. Now you've got to explain who Kang the Conqueror is to people. And mm-hmm. no one knows who Kang the Conqueror is. And Todd, you know what they did in this episode? What did they do, Joe? Okay. So I know a lot of people are all hung up on the thing where Loki kisses Sylvie and it's essentially Loki kissing himself and the symbolism of all the love is like a dagger and all that sort of stuff. And hey, man, that's great. I love symbolism. I love a deeper meaning and stuff. I like layers and onions and everything else like that. But you know what I like more than all of those things? Is it Kang? I like Kang the Conqueror. And you know who is the villain in all this? Kang. And I say, I knew it. I I knew it was Kang all along, Todd, and I was marking out, and it was one of those things where, um, you know, I, I do my best not to, like, look at spoilers of stuff or advanced stuff or, like, casting of things. I do my best to avoid all of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we record the show. Wednesday morning, I wake up, and I'm like, I gotta watch this show, like, now. Like, right. it's 
7.30. I got to watch now. I can't look at, like, social media. I can't look at nothing, okay? Mm -hmm. And the minute that he says that he was in a war with multiple versions of himself, and he's kind of telling Loki and Sylvie everything that's going on, and he's showing the, the multiple versions of himself, and one kind of looks like a Mortis a little bit, and one kind of looks like this iteration of Kang that we've seen before. And then he says that he's the one who won it all. He's the one from the 31st century. And this is the clean show. But I swore very loudly, Todd. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, they're doing Kang. And I'm done watching the episode. And we get the reveal with the statue. And then I see that actor's name just all over social media. Everyone mm -hmm. freaking out. Apparently, he's already been cast in the next Ant-Man movie as Kang. Mm-hmm. Oh, Todd. Okay. I just want to say, um, all joking aside, and this isn't me backtracking to look better, I 100% knew before even Loki started that Kang, that it was announced a while back that Kang was going to be in the Ant-Man movie. Okay. So as this was going on, especially last episode... I was like, I don't want to tell Joe that they've cast Kang for a movie, so I'm just going to play dumb. I didn't I, I didn't know how they were going to do it. And technically, they didn't do Kang, Joe. They did one of his alternate versions. That's the one thing that I see, and we'll get to that in a minute. So I was kind of playing dumb for, for your sake, but uh -huh. I had a feeling by this point we knew it was Kang because, you know, like I said, this actor was, was, was cast as Kang for the other things. But... I see a lot of people complaining online, like, this is the worst version of Kang I've ever seen. And it's like, no, you guys don't understand. This is Kang, the good, the best version, who's, who's won and is holding all the other Kangs at bay. The, I have a feeling he's going to play Kang completely different than the version that we just saw. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it to him, you know? We'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. Don't believe me or what? Uh, I don't know. This might be a revisionist history, but I'll, I'll let you have this one. Right. but Because uh, I'm just I, happy we got Kang, Todd. I, I know you are. I know you are. And I'm glad that you got Kang because he's going to get wiped out by Doom when he shows up in a few months. Um, but I will say this. Loki has the weakest after credit scene in the history of Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. I guess it just says, you know, Loki season two. And I'm like, okay, but we're going to go into uh, Dr. Strange multiverse of madness with that terrible director, Sam Raimi. And then we're going to go into like, I guess this, well, or the, and the spider verse has multiverse stuff. So I have a feeling we'll see some people there, but uh, just to go, Oh, um, Loki will be re returned in season two. I was like, come on, Disney, you could do better than that. Well, I did see that Disney officially announced um, that Hawkeye and Miss Marvel are absolutely going to be out before the end of 2021. Right, but Hawkeye is going to be all about the ending of Black Widow, and we'll right. see with Miss Marvel. I wanted—I have no idea where they can go with that or yeah. come from, because you know, that's going to be fresh. So I'm just saying, like, at least we're getting a sequel to Loki, and obviously it's going to be a while because there's a lot more uh, ahead of it in the queue. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I'm just happy we're getting it, I guess. So now that you got Kang, you'll cross your fingers for me for Doom? No, I got what I want. You're on your own. 
Okay. I can't wait until Doom stomps a mud hole in Kang when he shows up. I can't that, wait. That's not the way I remember it. Ah, uh, okay. But it was probably a Doom bot that Kang beat. That is true. <laughs> Knocking him down like dominoes and Doom's just laughing to himself. What a fool. That 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 little would-be conqueror lighting his matches off of him. Was that Kang? No, it was Arcade. That was Arcade, yes. Yes. And then later in the, I want to say, was it the Walt Simonson run? Where he ends up, he's like, Doom shows up and he's like, what's that scuff on your armor? He was like, Arcade little little thing. He's like, self-destruct button. He's like, you lesser Doombot, how dare you? Oh, Uh, Walt Simonson. He had a map of what issues were Doombots because somebody got the better of Doom. I yeah. like his style. That's fantastic. There was um, another one, and we'll get to it actually in previewing in the past. Is that the one with uh, Luke Cage? No. It was, so it's not it's not Doctor Doom, but it's um, Doctor Octopus and the Hulk. Okay. Um, it was an issue of Incredible Hulk written by Peter David, where. Uh, Hulk beats up Doc, uh, Dr. Octopus, right? And then there's an issue. It's a big secret uh, Sinister Six crossover. Um, when it's Eric Larson, he takes over after McFarlane. He's writing and drawing the book. And Peter Parker's, uh, like, his crew that he has going against the Sinister Six is like, you know, the, the flavors of the month, right? It's Deathlock. <laughs> it's, it's the Punisher, the Fantastic Four in there. And the Hulk's in there, and they specifically reference that story. Like Doctor Octopus cuts a soliloquy on how that was like. You know, he makes all these excuses and everything for why the Hulk beat him in that issue of the Hulk mm-hmm. by Peter David, and then he ends up beating up the Hulk in this issue of Spider Man. It was so funny. So basically, Eric Larson's wrong. Uh, I would I wouldn't say that he's right, but I definitely wouldn't say that he was wrong. I just find it. It's so funny when creators get so attached to characters they don't own that they have to, like, make fix mistakes, perceived mistakes that happen in other books with the characters that they're now writing. Right, because all the time that I've ever, you know, dream book Doc Ock against the Hulk, nine out of ten times in my mind, Doc Ock comes out on top. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, the fourth best rogues gallery always comes out over the Hulk. I'm not even dignifying that with a response, <laughs> but no better, no better way to close out the show than you and your lies. <laughs> so thanks for bearing with us here on episode 564 of long box heroes for Todd. This is Joe again saying thanks for listening and we'll see y'all here next week. Remember be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.